Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. And this is Trav. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast where shortcuts gain clarity of meaning in your game, getting from one place to another. Tonight we are sort of unexpectedly continuing my mini-series that I did about adding Fringeworthy to D&D Game Worlds, which I covered over the past year or so. The worlds of Greyhawk, Forgotten Realms, Dragonlands, Eberron, and Galarian, the Pathfinder world. Now, this idea came to Bruce suddenly, and he called me a few days ago, and Bruce, you want to get the fine points out about what this is all about and how this came to be? Sure. So, what we have here is War on the Fringe Paths. Oh, boy. It's, it's, uh, even though we talked about D&D and all that stuff, we are really talking about Fringeworthy. But it's a very strange Fringeworthy because it's Fringeworthy that's taking place right outside of the portals to Faerun. So, uh, if you are, uh, uh, if you're a longtime fan of, uh, of Fringeworthy, then you know that, uh, Richard released Portals 4 which essentially was um, the introduction of a new uh, powerful fringe force called the Coptics. And they, uh, they were way out, like around negative 120 node. Uh, so pretty much outside of everybody's area of influence that they might be considering, unless, of course, you are looking for other people that might cause problems. And... And left alone, uh, they're a very um, imperialistic group. Uh, they're essentially a um, very much a crusader group. They're they're an offshoot of Christianity, uh, and they are very much uh, with the idea of taking over world after world and converting them to their version of Christianity. So, uh, and it it is. Um, well, it's not you know uh, convert or die, but it's pretty darn close. If you know, if you're going to have any position of power, any success on those worlds after they gain control of them, then you're going to have to you know join the church, and and that means that of course their military power is increasing geometrically as they take over world after world. Now, this has all the normal problems that Fringeworthy has in that you've only got a 25-foot portal, one out of 10,000 people are Fringeworthy. So it's a slow process to gather up a very large Fringeworthy force. But as time goes on, it's getting there. And I am running in the late campaign, which means it's been over 20 years since uh, uh, since the discovery of the Fringe Paths. And uh you know, depending upon when you want to introduce the um, the the Coptics to the French Paths, they may have had quite a bit of time to get their own what would it be a Commonwealth, except for the fact is that they basically run everything. So uh, it's it's more of a um, 
It's actually more like Genghis Khan and how he would take over an area and they might be allowed some autonomy as long as they, you know, did what they were supposed to do. They, uh, they all attended the high feast days. They made at least a, you know, uh, a, uh, public statement of, of acknowledgement of God and Jesus and, uh, all the other, uh, religious, uh, parts of the, uh, uh the Coptic religion. But, uh, but they might otherwise be allowed to run their economies the way they want to and other things. So, you know, the, 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 the Coptics, as far as I know, are not that controlling. Is, uh, but what we have here is they're slowly moving out. And so Earth Prime is concerned. They want, they, they're like, okay, if we, if this goes on, then when we, if they get down to where we are, we're a hundred portals away from them. So, if we wait till they get to 60, then, you know, yeah, we may have 60 people who are uh, 60 nodes that are all kind of, you know, in various states of loose uh, association with Earth Prime because Earth Prime is making a commonwealth. They don't want to rule anybody. They're just trying to help everybody else, trying to create a, co a literally a commonwealth. Okay. Meanwhile, the Coptics are creating an empire. They're creating a force to be reckoned with. So if they get that far, then they literally would be able to put an army on the fringe pass, and it'd be very little that the fringe worthy could do to stop them. If you do look at, and you asked me this, you asked me a couple years back to compile all the worlds, and I believe it was Portals 2 that you were seeing Coptic influence you're seeing the the symbol of the pyramid with the laurel at the top right it they were already at like the negative 80s well still it re they really weren't that uh, that far down they were out really more around a hundred negative 113 and 115 they're up at, at negative 123 or 26 i can't remember exactly what their portal is so you know they were slowly working their way out they were mostly exploring yeah, but you still, know. they they at least had gotten sent like you know, exploratory forces to keep going down. Oh yeah. When I made that list and sent it to you, I'm like, oh crap, they got that far. I, it just didn't occur to me that mm -hmm. they had made it already to. I think it was like negative eighty something. Yeah, it was just they left the sign of the pyramid with the laurel. You know, like boom, Coptics were here. But still, they're already encroaching on areas by the late campaign. I and Bruce would probably think that Earth Prime would at least have a foothold there as well. Right. And the Coptics being a military force, they would realize, okay, we're approaching the outer reaches of another power center here. Right. So in my campaign, um, I basically tasked um, the group uh, who are all legendary level characters using the Savage World rules. Uh, to figure out a way of of stopping them from from advancing any further than uh, where the uh, uh, the Faerun world is. Otherwise, uh, what was it? What was what's the planet called? Toral. Toral. Where Toral is. Okay. So, uh, and uh, based upon the, the work you already did, so they said you have to figure out a way of keeping them from going past the alternate platform. 
Uh, it really doesn't matter what they do on the prime, other than the fact you don't want them to, to you know, lock it up. But it's the alternate that they have to use to go past because uh, they don't know anything about any extra ways around portals or things like that. Now, they probably do know that you can use a crystal to jump past a portal, but, you know, it's... Uh, Maybe not. Uh, there's, there's, uh, I'm also kind of hoping that they don't know that either. So what I've really said is that you need to figure out a way of stopping them. So they're, what they've been doing the last like year, two years now. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they've been traveling around, uh, the western, the, I'm sorry, the eastern side of Faerun and talking to people and trying to get them to understand that these Coptics, who, by the way, we use the term children of God. They never used that term themselves that's that's sort of like you know what we would call like you know indians or whatever that's not their term their term for themselves are as we are the children of god they're uh trying to get people to understand how great this threat is uh and that if they don't do something if they don't unite together and work you know effectively uh by providing resources and tactics and things like that th that will work uh, on the fringe paths that otherwise would not normally work. This is a, a world that doesn't have a whole lot of technology because two reasons. One is because they said the god doesn't allow electrical type devices to work. Right. And B, and that's a, that's an, ab, uh, an abolition. They literally don't work, but they also have, for, have forbade the use of explosive devices such as gunpowder and other things like that. Now smoke, smoke powder does work. Yeah, alchemical, yeah. Right, alchemical does work, but that still isn't something that people can manufacture and bring, like you know, from Earth Prime. Earth Prime would just, you know, they, they they can't just load up a whole truck full of, of of modern smokeless powder and weapons and bring them on down and say, all right, now we're gonna we're gonna go. Normally, that's that would be their method. They'd say, okay, we're gonna set up a whole firing line here, and and if if the Coptics come through, then we're just gonna like lay waste to them or something and just keep them from coming through. So. He said, no, we need a better solution to that. So they went to the world, and it's funny because they have basically upset every good aligned group on Faerun that they've come across. And oh, they're now no. and they are lying themselves with every evil group you can imagine. For example, they are like, you know, peas in a pod with the red wizards. Oh no. Oh yes. Oh, the Red Wizards are like their buds, okay? There was a little bit unpleasant at the beginning when they tried to sign a contract and the Red Wizards put some clauses that were hidden by illusionary script. And, you know, the, but, but, uh, the gods intervened on that and, 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 and they said, okay, here's the, here's the real contract with the same contract, no, no hidden clauses and stuff like that. And they signed it. Now it's all binding. So, uh, they're all working together and it was kind of like, they tried to get advantage. They, they get, didn't get as much advantage as they wanted to, you know, but, uh, they're still, they oh. still are, are really going to, uh, the red wizards are basically going to take over the planet with all the stuff that IDET's offering them. They're bringing in all kinds of elementary chemistry and electromagnetism text, astronomy, all this stuff. Now, I realize that they're in a crystal sphere, and so, you know, astronomy might be a little bit of a weird thing. But, I mean, you know, momentum still works and other things. So, um, you know, they certainly the calculations for doing more effective uses of indirect fire and other stuff, you know, it's all there. Uh, so they're looking forward to that. But, unfortunately, but they, they, I asked them, I said, okay, do you want... 
how long do you want this to take? You know, are, do you want me to tie this up at this point because we've been playing about two years on this same adventure? Or do you want to keep going? And they said, well, yeah, we kind of like you to tie it up. So I said, all right, Coptics have just arrived at, at your prime, uh, this world, Faerun's prime, and they are coming through a portal and you're hearing word of it. And they're all like, oh my gosh, <laughs> we're not ready. <laughs> oh. So, well, here's the thing about that. Okay, now south of the Red Wizards, the um Fey, there's yeah. the nation of Mulharand, which right. is pretty much the the god sent a bunch of Egyptians to Faerun and it is pretty much an Egyptian-esque nation. Uh-huh. Now, I'm kind of wondering how you're playing if the Coptics get to them or if your group has gotten to the Coptics and you know, the Mulharandi are like, I don't know, they kind of sound like cool guys, you know, except for that whole, you know, Christian thing. Yeah, they sound right, right up our alley. I'm just yeah, wondering. Well, yeah, guess what portal the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the Coptics chose to be their primary portal to come okay, into Okay, let me get, because I know you're using the information I made up here, so let me get. Well, it, I mean, the short answer is it's in Mulharand. Oh, oh boy. Oh. And they've allied themselves with an ancient, uh, red, uh, Red Dragon, which is also listed in that area, oh. and he's and he's basically you know and and they're they're building airships and they're 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 bringing you know they're, with his help they're getting together all kinds of humanoid shock troops and things like that they're 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 poising themselves to be able to take over this world and then the uh and the the Fringery people are like oh my gosh you know we, we Earth Prime doesn't even know this is happening so what are we going to do well. They finally go and, and manage to uh, get an audience with the uh, the Red Dragon, and and the Red Dragon says, "Well, if you know, if you don't want me to to do stuff with these these uh, uh, Coptic people, you know, you're going to have to give me a much better deal than they're giving me. So, what do you got to offer?" And they're all like, "Well, we can give you text on basic electricity and things like that." He's like, "I think you could do better than that. I know these guys are helping me take over the world. What are you going to do?" Yeah. So, Anyway, so they managed to get uh, a free, uh, tr- uh, basically free passage back to Earth Prime, at which point the Coptics essentially tried to kill them once they get just beyond where they said they were giving them the free passage. But fortunately, they had some people with them that uh, had some, some oomph that they didn't, that the other side didn't realize they had. And, uh, and they managed to get back to Earth Prime. So there's like, okay, we're if we try to get back to Faerun now, the Coptics they got two platforms full of guys that are basically just waiting to annihilate anybody that's not wearing Coptic uniforms and yeah. whatnot. So how are we going to get back? How are we can even make our offer to the Red Dragon? And that's when your uh, your little mini uh, realm of crystal spheres came in. With uh, them saying, well, wait a second, if we can get to one of these other worlds, then we can use the spell jammers to get back to uh, uh, to Faerun and, and, uh, and, and the world, and we could just arrive and, and, and make our, our deal or even, um, you know, attack or do whatever we want to do. We can actually bring a real fighting force back with us that's able to take on the Coptics and their allies. So, and that basically brings us up to the you know, the plan is where to go. Okay. And since the closest world to Earth Prime that's part of this 
set uh, is is the Dragonlance world of Corin. It seemed like that seemed the most likely place that they would go to first. Oh yeah, and I put it. Remember with how I laid all these out. Refer to the previous episodes we've done. I put Crin at negative seventeen prime. Right. That's what thirty only thirty one nodes away if you count the zero or you know it's seventeen. It's, I'm thinking it's 17. zero thirteen. I'm thinking yeah. zero thirteen. It's thirty one. But yeah, yeah. On, only seventeen nodes. Earth primers can you know with proper gas and stopping off at allies, you know, make that relatively quick. Yes. Uh, okay, I need to get a particular map up. But anyways, the the whole thing with finding these allies, yes, they've been dealing with the Ferunian cultures for, you know, a couple years now. They're now going to have to deal with a whole new set of rules, a whole new set of cultures, Language isn't a problem, of course, because of the language gift of the portals. Right. And t- until, of course, they travel from Karin Ka- uh, over to the, the Faerun world, in which case they're probably using different languages. Or are they? Well... Do all do all uh, D&D worlds use... Uh, is Elvish the same on every one of them? Uh, the way I do it is, yeah, the dwarf... All the... And again, I use this term as well. The demi-human races... Dwarf, Elf, Gnome, Halfling, Orc. All those languages are the same. You can count in that there might be idiom changes and, you know, like for Pathfinder, you you know, OGL use a linguistics role or a speak, you know, an intelligence check. Uh-huh. But now the human languages, common sense would be because all of these languages that they are called common are lingua franca. Basically, from what I gather about common they're usually pigeon trade languages of the various human cultures with loan words from Dwarven and Elven. You know, like, oh, we have a word for Dwarven ale and we have a word the Elvish mead and we'll putting this into our, our trade tongue. All of the common languages of Orth, Toral, and Kryn, because of their base roots, would obviously be three different languages. Plus, you have all the various, you know... Faerun has all their languages. Orth has all theirs. Kryn, I think, has different ones, too, besides the common. They have various human languages, like Salamnic, Abanasinian. You know. So, yeah, all the commons would be different, but all the demi-human tongues, I just, okay. Okay. They're the same. I'm not well, that much of a right. jerk. <laughs> well, that's good, because, you know, once they get there, they're going to need to, you know work, you know, work with the allies that they have been able to get over there, you know. I mean, the the one good thing about the Red Wizards is is that they've got teleportation circles in all the major cities. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so it's, you know, moving large groups of people around is pre- relatively easy to do, you know, which is going to be important when they decide to, you know, the it looks like the uh, the Coptics are planning on basically creating this vast armada of lighter lighter than aircraft, uh, that are going to then go and just well, the easiest thing to do with lighter aircraft is fly over a city and drop. Um, well, I don't I don't want to use the word needles because it implies something that's small and tiny. Something about the size of a lawn dart. You drop that from like a thousand feet up, it hits like a, a 50, 50 caliber shell. Yeah, 
and you can just drop them by the thousands out of the bottom of these airships and just basically just wipe out any, you know, any forces that might come against you on the ground. Now, of course, you still have to deal with the air, but then, you know, that, I'm sure, you know, you have a dragon, a red dragon. Yeah. An ancient red dragon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's, there's, there's going to be more stuff, you know, and, uh, and there are some actual things that I plan to come from, um, uh, your, the Bureau 13 world because, you know, they, they're, they, they've been, they're modern and they also have magic. So there's a lot of cool stuff that they can do with that. So, but back to you. Um, so where, uh, since they need to go and find the spell jammers, uh, is there any place that they, you know, that they have a guild or they hang around or okay. that would be the rest, best choice for a portal to go through? Now, as far as, where spell jamming ports are on the three main worlds. Now, you have to go dig into used gaming stores to find the spell jammer games and the box sets. You had uh, Toral Space, Gray Space, and Crin Space. Those are the three sets that said, oh, here on Orth, here are the cities that do spell jamming, and here on Crin, and here on Toral. So this stuff is out there. Now, on Crin, there are two cities that have spell jamming access. Now remember, on Kryn, the Dragonlance world, there are two main continents. There's Ancelon, where the majority of the War of the Lance was fought. That's what... And then far to the northeast, there's another continent known as Taladas. Taladas, if you remember your Kryn history, you know, the meteorite came down, the gods left... The Blood Sea of Istar, the Kingdom of Istar was destroyed, and there's this area of red water called the Blood Sea of Istar. Basically, probably the meteorite hit so hard it hit an iron deposit. It's just the dust, the iron dust is just bubbling up into the water. Now, Taladas got hit a lot more. Their, their meteorite that hit them is bigger. It like fractured the land, so it's like a concentric circle of volcanic rings. But outside of those rings, there's a like a Minotaur-led empire, and they are like master sailors. So spell jamming there in their imperial city, there's a port there for spell jamming. Of and the Minotaurs. Let me turn to the Crin page and see where I put. Are you the saying the Minotaurs? Here. As I said, I got the infamous big blue binder, as Josie and I call it. Uh, let's see, seventeen prime. Yeah, are you saying the Minotaur's um, Imperial City is where the spell jammers would be? Uh, that, yes, there is a portal Central Sildar on Taladas, which is probably relatively close to the. I don't have my maps of Taladas out here, but the other <laughs> city in Ancelon is the North Ancelon port city of Palanthus, as in where the Knights of Salamnia are based in, as in if you know Kryn Sturm Brightblade. One of the heroes of the Lance. So, Palanthus and the Imperial City in Taladas are the two spell jamming ports. And I mean, they've got, you know, oh, we have shipwrights that if you need your spell jammer ship fixed, we can fix it. And that's where people looking for spell jammers. Obviously, most people know about Ancelon more than Taladas. So, most people who run an adventure with Dragonlance are going to use. Palanthus and Ancelon as their area to adventure in. So Palanthus 
as I said, it, it's a big city. And as I said, there may, there's even, if, if you go to, what is it, spelljammer.org, which is like the major fan site online for, I mean, they even reconciled the, the timelines of Spelljammer, Dragonlance, Greyhawk, and Forgotten Realms. They actually, some guy went through and synced all that up. And in that, I read that the Knights of Salamnia actually formed, well, a space navy. So the Knights of Salamnia could be an ally. If you tell them, yeah, on this other, you know, you know, this world, uh, Toral. Oh, yes, we've heard of it. Well, there's a group that came in extra-dimensionally that are trying to take it over. We need your help. Because if they have access to Toral, it's only a matter of time until they come here. Well, that's certainly true. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, and the Knights of Salamnia, of course, they, you know, they're knights. They're like, well, we must protect our home. I'm going to try to do my noble Blix voice here. Well, of course, we must protect our home, so we will join you in your noble quest, you know. And so, Palanthus would be a very good place to gain Spelljammer access and aid on Kryn. Right. Let me see, did I... Portals? Okay, let's see. Zach Sarath, Sylvanesti, Garrett on Gunthar, which I believe Gunthar is on the island of Mount Evermind. Outside Quayshu. Okay, I did put a portal there in the plains where Gold Moon and Riverwind come from. That's south of Palanthus. But, of course, if you do the whole, well, we have the geek, you know, that has all the Dragonlance library in his book, and we pull out a map, you know, like John would always do. You know, always have the geek with you with the with, <laughs> with the entire fandom on on database, you know. Yeah, I seriously considered asking John to do to, to weigh in on this. But, you know, uh, I, I forgot to uh, That's send That's fine. A, we, a we remember enough of John and Blix's shticks to go on, you know. So, yeah, there is a portal outside of Quayshu where Gold Moon and Riverwind come from. And it's, you know, maybe a week's travel or so north to Palanthus. Um, yeah, and then you could gain access to spell jammers there. And as I said, the Knights of Salamnia even have their own, well, Space Navy now. As I said, go to spelljammer.org, and it has all the stuff connecting these three universes together, including a coherent timeline. Dragonlance information, I believe the site is dlnexus.com that is like the official fan site for Dragonlance now because 5th edition they're just now coming back to Greyhawk because they've got like you know and, and Ravenloft so other D&D campaign worlds that have been quote unquote forgotten by wizards the fans have kept up wonderfully dlnexus.com is the one for Dragonlance and I mean they, they go deep with just the culture and the characters. But there is one thing I want to bring up about going to Kryn. And they have something here. And I'm going to bring it up because it, it could be something sneaky that you could bring into play. And this was by a man who calls himself Clive Squire. The Barrier and the Interloper. Apparently Kryn Space has a barrier. At the dawn of time, the True Gods erected a barrier that helps protect the balance from outside influences. Uh... Planar transport outside of Kryn space in both directions. Each day after the first day, make a will save DC-10 to return through to their home plane using whatever method you use to breach a barrier that's available. For each day, must make another will save with the cumulative one to the DC. Uh, Failing the saving throw immediately means that the character is unable to cross a barrier by his own power, and unless he gains divine intervention, he's unable to by any other means. 
there is a chance you could get stuck on credit. Again, if you don't want to use this, that's fine. It's just something I found. And obviously, Bruce, would be something this would, you know, kind of hamper your campaign. So you might, you know, I would yeah. suggest greatly not you. But I'm just bringing this up for a matter of... Yeah, since I want to basically finish this uh, this particular, uh, I guess, campaign... Uh, of uh, Story arc? This yeah. arc, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I, I wouldn't want to make it harder for them to get through. Yeah. But the biggest problem is going to be that they're going to have to take this very, very seriously because... By setting this up, they are essentially giving the Coptics the ability to go to reach Earth Prime very quickly. Because if all they have to do is go to, which is to them, it's not very far. It's only like, you know, 20 platforms away from them. They go over, they go to Faerun, they get a, you know, they, they get on a spell jammer, uh, they jump to, uh, Karin. And now they're only 17 uh, nodes away from uh, Earth Prime. Well, yeah, because I put crit, I put Toral at negative 103 Prime. So if you can hop from negative 103 Prime to negative... That's, you know, 86 nodes that you're traveling on a spell jammer bypassing it. Yeah, I don't know how long it takes to do that on a spell jammer. Uh, but that the- would, yeah, that, that you can look in the old spell jammer rules and it gives travel time because... Of the maps that they made. Mm-hmm. Um, now remember, they have something called the Radiant Triangle, which is gray spaces in the middle, and then there's a phlogiston path to Kryn, and a phlogiston path to the realm realm space, Toral. Right. So it would depend on how long it takes on that path. And of course, you know, I got this blown up so the numbers are all... And if I shrink the map back down, I won't be able to tell the numbers. Um, but yeah, they do have times... And you, if you find these old Spelljammer box sets or homebrew PDFs or whatever, they have the times it takes to travel between these spheres. Now, because there's no phlogist in between Kryn and the realms, you have to go through gray space. So, in order for them to get back to, oh, we can go to Kryn and, well, there's no direct route back to Toral. You have to go through gray space and enter that crystal sphere. And if the ship wants to stop for supplies, they're going to have to stop on Orth and then back out into the Flodgestin to get to Toral. So okay. Well, the point the point here is is that it, whether it's fast or slow, it's not. It's going to be you know magnitudes harder to control. You know, to stop the, the the Coptics from reaching reaching Karin and then the French Pass versus the the third you know the very very long the thousands of mile long forty one foot wide roadway be- that was was the the main artery before. So by using this technique, they are essentially bypassing a lot of the restrictions that was on the French Pass before. And the worst part is is that. Remember, you can use, okay, each of, remember, technically each of, you know, Kryn or Toral, these crystal spheres are the representation of, like, the dimensional boundaries. Therefore, you can use plane shift to go between these three worlds without the use of a spell jammer. Now, if a Coptic gets a hold of a mage, knowing that, or even a cleric that has plane shift or the gate spell, oh, heaven forbid, a gate spell. Because those are 20 feet wide. You can transport a lot of stuff through a 20-foot gate. 
Well, they're already used to doing that. It's 25-foot-wide portals. Yeah, but I mean, they can bypass this whole Spelljammer thing and just go yeah. directly, yeah. Okay, that is, that's even worse. Yeah, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm letting y'all know that. And, and, I'm, and by the way, uh, the Children of God, their religious group, I am letting them have uh, clerical powers on, on Faerun. Well, because remember, it's that mixture of Christianity with a little bit of... It, basically, it's Rome and Egypt's empires merged together. It wasn't Rome taking over Egypt. They merged equally. Mm -hmm. I remember talking with Rich, and it was Professor Christopher Biting, I think, at South Bend University. And he, quote-unquote, checked my numbers, and Rich told me, yeah, Chris said you were right, Trav. That's exactly what happened, and you figured out the exact point of divergence. Neil say that that feather is still in my cap to this day. Um, it just, good good I, for you, Trav. Well, well, it just, you know, I was like, you know, it's that it worked. I mean, it worked. Yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it just the fact that the Coptics can tap into, and if, let's say they decide to, you know, because they got that Egyptian Roman, if they're dealing with the Mulharandi, who are just straight up Egyptian, yeah, there might be. It's like okay, yeah, you know, kind of see here. There's some similarities. Yeah, if you see that statue, pray to that god. He might be able to hook you up, and then. Because the Mulharandi gods, like centuries ago, they basically had a god battle on Faerun. The gods were walking the planet and, you know, flinging epic-level, deity-level mana at each other. That's right. probably why the Plains of Purple Dust are the Plains of Purple Dust. I'm pretty sure that there was... Oh, yeah, there's a, there's a whole lot of areas that are really still devastated. Yeah, so yeah. if the Coptics start tapping into the various pantheons that happen to connect with their version of God? Well, I don't think that's going to happen because they are you know, they are such a Christianity uber all kind of thing. And the gods don't tend to want to kowtow to any foreign gods, especially. Well, the rules that I've always seen is if you're on a, on a different plane and you want to keep your deific powers, and I think this was brought up in the, the Spelljammer stuff, you try to find a god who's the closest to yours as far as portfolio and domains. Mm -hmm. You might be one domain off, or you might be one alignment step off. And yeah, he'll hook you up. You just pray to him and say, okay, you know, I know you're not my normal god, but you're kind of close to the one that I have back at home. You know, you're there on your knees with your fingers interlaced looking up to the sky. You know, could you help me out so I may, you know, I will serve you while I'm here. And I might be able to get a few converted back home in your name, you know. <laughs> and you might be able to keep your 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 deific powers, you know, that your granted abilities. So yeah, if the Coptics start, you know, trying to find a god that is similar to their version of Christian God, yeah, then they can start throwing around their spells. And if they find the gate spell, or if even they get a gate scroll, yeah. That 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 when I came up with that thought, I'm like, oh yeah, that would scare the daylights out of me. The Coptics doing that, yeah, yeah. Well, we know they can cast Hallow. Oh, I remember that spell. I had a campaign ruined by that spell, or at least a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they 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 basically they they were all ready to fireball the snot out of them, and and uh, that was the that was the the effect that the uh, Hallow negated. And so all of a sudden they're like throwing all these spells and nothing was happening. And they're like, what? And then 
you know, ogres and other things just started just pounding on them. And they had to flee. Oh so they, man! So they had to they had to talk to the Red Wizards about that point. And they said, "Oh yeah, well, it sounds like not only that, but they couldn't actually teleport where they wanted to because you can't teleport into a hallowed area." Well, that's if you hook the spell dimensional anchor with it. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! And that was what the the one player of mine you you remember my buddy Jerry you met Jerry his girlfriend Carrie was the one that I cast Hallow ruined three months of work and you can mm-hmm. hook dimensional anchor with a Hallow spell and it also yep. works as like protection from evil as well so yeah it, it you get Hallow going and you can just put the right whammies on it and just ruin a lot of people's days with it um, right and and you know of course that the the Coptics think they're good well yeah you know I mean they 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 really do and so therefore the fact that the the, the IDET people have allied themselves with the Red Wizards, that protection from evil is kicking in right there. Well, yeah, because the Red Wizards, you know, they know they can't do anything, and if your fringe team, unless they have smoke-powdered weapons, they're dealing with medieval-level technology. Well, they're dealing with magic. They're, they're trying to use magic and stuff like that. And they're actually relying a lot on the uh, the red wizards to cast spells because they're they're not right now they're not trying to beard them in their lair so to speak they were just trying to get there and uh, negotiate with the red dragon but once they got there and they saw that they turned this entire uh, uh, mountain plain into a staging area for an air for an aerial force that's when they said okay these guys are, are these guys mean business they got their ducks in a row and we're still trying to find friends they've already they found friends right outside the portal and they're just steamrolling along and we got to do something or we're just you know we and I did and everybody else are just going to be screwed because you know and because their original plan was for them to with the help of the red wizards was to uh, create a uh, an army of undead, uh, undead that are unintelligent, uh, or uh, and find hopefully find a couple of wizards that that were that were fringe worthy who could summon the intelligent uh, undead up on the platform. Okay, because the platforms have the same reality as as the world does. So, and then that way they could just you know. So the vast vast majority of the undead, the skeletons, the the gas, the specters, whatever like that, the unintelligent ones, we're going to be their shock troops to just take out the Coptics and then, you know, being led by the smarter ones, you know, the ones that, you know, and I mean, you, you, and they all, and they all know that, you know, we can just go ahead and freeze this, this, uh, uh, this vampire and, um, and, and, and take it onto the French paths and, and thaw him out and he'll be fine. And he bypasses that whole problem by getting them onto the French paths. You know, just like the Meller. Ooh, here's a question. Now, I know it's magical, and I think there's a Psy version. The spell-slash-power temporal stasis. You are considered dead. You age one day for every year you are in stasis. Could that be used as a means to transport somebody through a fringe portal? Huh, I don't know. Um, um, I, I would not. I probably would not want to let that happen. But, um, you know... But especially since we already have a method, which is which is cryogenic freezing. But you know, maybe not since there is a it's a really high level spell. Does it only affect one person? Yeah, I think it is. Um, I think it okay. is where. Well, I mean, it would be really wouldn't it be really great to be able to bring like really big heroes, you know, through that way, you know, yeah. because really high level dudes and uh, to go up against the Coptics. 
I mean, the Coptics have their own. I mean, they their centurions and such are are all you know they're all coming across as as uh, once they got to this world, they're basically becoming um, high level uh, paladins. Yeah. So, okay. You know, they're and they, they and they already know one of them. You know, who's basically just he has a love hate relationship with them, kind of. You know, they they ah. they, they didn't. Uh, you know, he they they tortured him a bit. And, uh, <laughs> and and he and uh, but then and then when he they had an opportunity to help him help the people that were in this one group as slaves to escape, uh, they didn't. So he basically got the slaves to save themselves, and uh, and, and and he escaped. So ever since then, he's been kind of like you know not you know I mean he didn't like them to begin with, you know because they were unbelievers and all the rest of that stuff and. He considers them to be very dishonorable, uh, and after as a result of basically not standing up for what he thought was right, he uh, uh, a lot. Now, of course, they've allied themselves with red wizards who just love slavery. Yeah, <laughs> so it's just getting more and more interesting with that regard. So his 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 uh, ire his. His sense of, of of righteousness in comparison to the IDET personnel, and they're all going, but but we're the good guys. We we don't believe in slavery. We we teach against it. You know, but you got people, you got worlds in your in your Commonwealth that practice it. Yeah, yeah but, but uh, yeah, we're we're uh, well. I'm pretty sure that um, uh, the Golden Horde does too. Yeah, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're like. Like uh, <laughs> you're you're getting caught in like a double whammy. You know, the more you open your mouth, the digger, the bigger you deep that dig that hole deeper. Yeah, right, right. But uh, anyways, at least uh, to their to their credit, none of the uh, none of the people they picked up as henchmen and such are slaves. They've actually tr- treat them as henchmen, but they certainly uh, enjoyed the uh, slaves on many worlds. And I'm sorry, many cities that they've gone to. You know, especially one of the characters who's basically a rogue. And by rogue, I don't mean somebody who has thieving skills. I mean somebody who likes the ladies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and the fact that they and the fact that they're not allowed to not give consent because they're slaves has has caused no has caused no lack of um of of of, of twinging between the the uh, female care the female PCs and this character. Yeah, but anyways, that's that's a whole different thing. So yeah, all right. So they uh, so they go they go to one of these three places on Corinne, and they and. How many people can... Oh, oh, they... yeah, speaking three, yeah. There is another uh, spell-jamming port besides Palanthus and the Imperial City on Taladas. Now, many of you listeners who know Dragonlance are going to cringe as soon as I say it. Mount Nevermind. Oh, yes. The gnomish enclave within a volcano. It is steam-powered, is geothermally heated... And there are many explosions, and most of those explosions are not due to geothermal heat. It's you have the Tinker Gnomes that make these outrageous contraptions that may work. (laughs) That there is a spell jamming port just outside of Mount Nevermind. And I think the Gnomes have also, if you go to spelljammer.org, I do believe that Tinker Gnomes have gotten out into spell jamming now. Because remember, they have wizards as well as, you know, all these these tinkerers and inventors. Gnomes still deal with magic. Right, and and, and IDET being so technologically centric are probably going to be very, would, would very much gravitate toward people that can provide magical technological solutions. Yeah, I, I had the idea in, in my campaign, 
gnomes are the ones that are best at techno magic just because they're combining the two things they do very well. And the IDET would, yeah, they would gravitate toward Mount Nevermind until they see it's like, no, 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 you can do this much better. You know, you can shrink this down and the Tinker Gnomes would be like, what are you talking about? Why would you want it to, you know, be that small? Bigger is better. Come on, that's how we roll here. You know, you're going to have, that would be fun to role play for them to try to, no, bring it down here and do this and this. And the Gnomes are, you know, like, no, 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 we have to discuss this in committee, which takes months. Because of all the guilds that gnomes have, you know, and you have paperwork. It's almost as bad as the IDEP bureaucracy in Fringeworthy D20, where I think it was John that actually wrote up all the, well, it takes you six months to be able to transport this grain from one world to Earth Prime because it takes everything in triplicate, you know, the gnomes are as bad. But yeah, Mount Nevermind, I found out, does have a port of call for spelljammers. And the gnomes have gone out into the phlogiston in their own means of exploration. Because, you know, gnomes find... It's bad. I almost kind of see gnomes as autistic. You know, me, rats smelling their own in a way. Because they have that focus, their life goal, which often takes generations. And they often speak really fast and about subjects you don't know about. And then they get frustrated when you don't understand them. Yeah. <laughs> So you'd, you'd be having these gnomes, and it's like, God, they're like computer geeks back home. I mean, <laughs> you'd see the IDET people going, God, this is like the tech guy back at Hatsumi. <laughs> we're, we're, you know, 17 nodes away, and this guy's just like the guy there in the in the tech lab. Um, but yeah, I would think the gnomes, well, especially if you tell them, well, yeah, you have gnomish brothers on this world, and these cop, you know, these coptics are going to go after them. And if you start explaining the things that the Lantanese gnomes do, oh, that'll, yeah, you could ally the gnomes easily. Just be like, well, we must help our brothers in arms over on this world, and, you know. Yeah, these, because <coughs> the Coptics are invaders. There's no question of it. Well, yeah, and they'll, they'll spread. Once they come through that portal at, um, excuse me, in the Plains of Purple Dust. It's not that one. It's the one further to the, the, the west. It's the one that's over on the mountains. Oh, no. My gaming table, folks, right now is a mess. I got books all over the place. It's not pretty. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, yeah, there's basically there's a, a big mountain and, and there's a... Oh, oh, the over. Sunrise Mountain foothills outside Citadel Rashomon. Yeah. Okay. Rashomon is north of Mulharandi, the matriarchal mage nation. No. Oh, no, really? that's another one. <laughs> it's not it. Don't don't worry about it. It's 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 it's. I know which one it is. Um, I, I can look it up while we're talking about. It. I didn't think I had to, but um, but anyways, it's it's uh, it's not the Sunrise Mountain. It's 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 the one to to the east. I'm sorry, to the west, to the west. Uh, I mean, there's more, but I'm just saying is that that's. They also considered maybe trying to uh, uh, go into the. Um, uh, alternate portals and go to that one world that had a because one of the uh, one of the portals on this planet is actually a, a a strange rupture between one of the alternates and the um, and this world where it's basically there's a big portal in the sky that drops garbage you know uh, when I say garbage I mean like artifacts and if you go to that alternate you find there's this whole place they're just dumping their garbage into this big whirlpool negative one hundred three comma four the portal makers a mostly French and Arab Earth with a nineteen 40 sites have cracked all in other planes. And yeah, they dump it on the prime on this beach where I put the prime on anachrome, which is the total equivalent of North America. 
on the west right. coast. It's another continent. Yeah. So so anyways, they they went through they they actually went through that. They spent a little bit of time and until they talked to some people said, "Yeah, we have these ships that come like, you know, twice a year and they pick up all the the junk they like and they take it back with them back to the uh uh at the home world, you know, said the, said the lizard men and uh <laughs> and they said yeah, this doesn't seem like a I mean it might be a good place to build up a force if you really had to but you know it's it's we have to do a lot of traveling to get over to where the 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 Coptics are obviously the Coptics came through and said no we want one that's right in the middle we want a portal that's right in the middle of everything so we can just just start taking over instead of some little place out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, which is why they, they went where they did. But anyways, they, uh, so that's, that's, like I said, that's where they're going. But, uh, so maybe the gnomes, you know, uh, but, uh, but again, it comes back to how, how much can you, can you, I mean, assuming that you're not using gate, assuming that you are using the, the spell jammers. Yes. Um, uh, how much can you move? How many people, you know, what's the, what's the, 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 the cargo size, the man lay, uh, or monster, um, you know, layout that you can put onto one of these ships. Well, these are sailing ships. And if you get like a warship going, well, let me, oh, let me, I got to just a second here. Get the core rule book here and look up the, the sailing ships and whatnot that are in the, because you got like, Sailing ships, warships, keel boats, and whatnot. So let me look at. Uh, ba, 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 ba. Okay, like a keel boat, 50 to 75 foot long ship, 15 to 20 foot wide, few oars to supplement the single mass, has a crew to 8 to 15, and can carry 40 to 50 tons of cargo or 100 soldiers. Long ship, 75 feet long, 40 oars, requires a total crew of 50, 50 tons of cargo or 120 soldiers. Sailing ship, 75 to 90 feet long, 20 feet wide, crew of 20, 150 tons of cargo. Warship, 100 foot long ship as a single mass, although oars can also propel it. It has a crew of 60 to 80 rowers, can carry 160 soldiers, but not for long distances, so there isn't room, since there isn't room for supplies to support that many people. Warship sticks to the coast, it's not used for cargo, but still. Uh, galley, three massive ships, 70 oars on either side, and requires a total crew of 200. 130 feet long, 20 feet wide, can carry 150 tons of cargo or 250 soldiers. All of these can you can put a spell jamming helm on and boom, you're airborne. You get high enough in the atmosphere, you have air and gravity. Head to the crystal sphere and out you go. So you can carry a couple hundred soldiers with you. You know, medium size. Obviously, large counts as two. So let's say you wanted to carry ogres on a galley. Fine, 125 ogres, I'd run. <laughs> I would be running quite, and remember, they don't have, to, I don't have to outrun them, I just have to outrun you. Um, so yeah, you have all these different boats, and you can put a spell jamming helm on any type of boat. They have the minor and the major ones. Obviously, the major one is for the larger sailing ships, like mm -hmm. the ones that are, you know, 130 feet long. What's the other one? 100 foot, you know, the warship and the galley, you'd probably have a major helm. The other ones you have might have a minor helm. So, yeah, you, these ships, they can carry a couple hundred soldiers each. Okay, well, good, because they're going to need to. Because, you know, they're they're, they're busy, uh, you know, from the, from, this is the, actually the, uh, the Orshram Mountains. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Portal number seven on your list. Got it. And uh, they got lots of lots and lots of humanoids up in those mountains. Ogres. 
Oh yeah, um, you know various things, and they're they're basically gonna mass large numbers of them and just start like I say, just start taking over. Um, and of course, you know they're 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 gonna go and say first they're gonna drop you know pamphlets and say all right you know people of of Faerun, you know he says we bring you the the good news <laughs> of. Uh, you know, of of the children of God and, and, and Jesus Christ, and we 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 are now, we are now your your uh, your central government, and uh, uh, please uh, send your representatives out to you know be collected and to pro- process your population. Um, failure to do so will result in punitive damage. Yes, and which of course that would be the fall, probably quickly followed up by firebombing, uh, dropping things out of the sky from the airships, and finally sending in the troops. Well, the thing is, you don't even need a spell jamming ship. I do believe it is the nation of Halrua that makes magical airships. And I believe that is to the southwest of the Mulharandi and probably south of the Orgrom Mountains. And the Halruan... How ruins their airships are known all throughout Faerun. So if you're seeing a how ruined ship, you know that their their magic is pretty tight too. They're up there with the Red Wizards of Th- as far as magical ability. So yeah, they could use how ruined warships. They don't need to get a spell jamming ship because flying ships are a reality on on Faerun already. Right. Well, I, I think that's great, and I'm, I'm sure that they're going to want to go ahead and, and, and take over that area. But in the meantime, they are they are busy building um, using you know uh, native uh, e- easier to construct materials. Uh, they're building airships and uh, filling them full of uh, of, of uh, hydrogen or um, uh, helium gas. And oh, they're uh, going that route. Okay, dirigibles. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, and that way, that, because those things can carry a lot of weight. So I, I'm just saying, is it? I'm, I'm, once they once they have an opportunity to take over those areas, sure they'll they'll add those in probably as as kind of fighter types and such, because I'm sure they're far more going to be far more manageable uh, than the. Uh, but see, nothing about the gods says that air flight is is not uh, normal. Air flight can't work. And of course, they'll they'll press you know the, the dragon will press into effect you know uh, griffins and hippogriffs and and any other creature they can get their he can he can get his hands on. Uh, so I'm just saying they're they're working on a massive you know and once they start taking over the the, the country of Malharand, they're going to then pick up from that point they'll start using real humans. Uh, especially ones that have converted, and uh, just keep rolling the ball out. Yeah. And uh, at some point, they're going to basically say, you know, they're, they're going to leave a few priests uh, who are begin to train other priests, and they'll just let the the people they'll just they'll just send supplies to them and and keep the uh, the the conquering going on. But uh, and then go out and start moving to try to take over the next world. Uh, but uh, right now, they're in the middle of their their world conquering phase. So that's where the the fringe where you have to basically say no. Is is a you know you can't use our techniques against us like taking you know they have to somehow figure out a way of not uh, using these ships to go back. And secondly, they have to basically be able to defeat them. So um, that's why uh, you know we have to think about what kind of tactics you know uh, can we can we use against the. Uh, you know, against the Coptics, because the uh, right now the only re- the only real restriction they have is is that they're not allowed to use explosive things. 
you know, that's the only thing that they really know about. So, and they can't use anything that uses electricity. So, you know, granted, they they can't use like radio or whatever. But the this is a 1950s technology. Uh, people, they probably have uh, a well developed uh, flag um, uh, semaphore. Again, Semaphore, semaphore system, military semaphore system. So they're going to be able to pass messages that would normally require magic to be able to be transmitted, and they don't need magic to do it. Well, yeah, because so. all of their uh, we we figured out, you know, Rich and all of us, we figured out that the Coptics have about a late World War II, Korean War era war machine. So that's late forties, early fifties. Diesel right. trucks, automatic weapons. So yeah. Bazookas. Bazookas. So yeah, it's just those chemical re- yeah, chemical reactions and internal combustion and electrical do not work on Faerun. I think Or they're punished. In my case they're punished. I don't even yeah, I don't even think there's steam tech allowed on Faerun. I mean it's all clockwork with magically powered engines for the Lantanese. I, I, I haven't restrict I haven't done any kind of restriction on, on um, steam tech because that's that's what I want to use as far as helping the uh, ah. uh, help helping the earth primers. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so I, I will throw out a, a suggestion that I want to do uh, simply because I think it's cool. And uh, it, it also involves more, you know, anything I can do to bring in more groups on the Fringe Pass, you know, uh, from the from the Commonwealth, the better I like it. So, enter Bureau 13. Ah, yes. And enter the Victorians, who are now called the Edwardians. Yes. Um, <laughs> and because uh, time has passed, it's 20 years later. Yes, that's right. Right. Well, just with Bureau 13, you know... If they want to do contact, obviously anything that goes through Bureau 13 extra-dimensionally is going to go through Colonel Shea Talbot. Of course. And so, by the late campaign, you know, the the, the Unita would... Uh, I mean, obviously there's regular contact because of the Trade Technology Agreement made, I think, what, FD Year 3 on Earth Prime, and that would be like 1980. So, yeah, if it was... Because in, in Fringer the D20, it was 2013, and so we're figuring year two or three, so that's 2015, 2016, 30 years prior. So on Bureau Earth, 85, 86 is when that IDET team came through the portal into the zombie thing, and oh god, it's a zombie Earth, and the Bureau's like, no, 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 it's an isolated incident, if you'll help us out, we'll explain. So that's where the trade and technology agreement came in. Right, where the bureau got this thirty-year advanced technology in to help them out, and the bureau taught Unita about the concepts of magic, and and they've been allies ever since. And then Colonel Talbot came in later as the interdimensional liaison. So right. Bureau Thirteen, and and Bruce did ask me this Sunday: Would the bureau know about, or would do they know about these worlds, and would there be restrictions on? Do we want to tell Ided about these other worlds, or do we want to, you know, unite about these other worlds, or, or, um, no, vice versa? Would Unita tell Bureau Thirteen about these other worlds? That's what you want, right? Yes. Well, because you'd have the mutual um, learning of magical systems. How does magic work on this world as opposed to this world? Mm-hmm. And with Kryn, remember, for a long time there was no divine magic until. 
Gold Moon came back with the discs of Mishakal, and once you read them, you became a cleric of the good gods. For like 348 years, there was no divine magic. And arcane magic was strictly regulated. If you showed any magical profi- talent. talent, proficiency, your little butt better get to a tower of high sorcery and go through the test. And then when you get done, you pick a roll, black, white, or red. Right. So, and of course, you know, Faerun has their system of magic or has their rules of magic. See, that would be up to the individual game master. Would the Bureau know about these worlds already? Because a lot of their in- interdimensional stuff would come from... I, anyways, giving back reports. Yeah, we found this, you know, one world here that's got this type of magic. You might want to be careful if you got something rifting in. And, of course, Talbot's writing it down, you know, or voice recording it. And it goes voice to text, you know. Um, I don't know. I, I think I think the Bureau would be pretty, because of the trade and technology and information agreement, they would be pretty free with the with the, the information. And, and so the Bureau and IDET would have that going back and forth if, Colonel Talbot knew about that information. I'm sure that she would, if she didn't already know it, she would want to learn about it. Because mm-hmm. you, you, I'm sure that Bureau agents don't need to have um, Red Wizards of Thay all of a sudden teleporting into Central Park, you know. Right, well, you know, they, the Red Wizards of Thay would need to know that there was such a place. Right, so. but I mean, you still, with well, if you divine something, if you scry hard enough, you can go in between dimensions. The mm-hmm. scrying spell does, I mean, granted, it's a heck of a will save. You'd have to do hours, if not days, of divination spells to find out about, okay, these other worlds that have this, oh, okay, and we're scrying on this particular person. Let's draw a picture of them. Okay, it is now easier because we can concentrate on this picture, which lowers the will save of you looking in on his sensorium. Because Josie's had to use scrying i've had to, i've had to learn the rules again recently um so yeah bureau 13 i think and i did would probably have a pretty free flow of information about these other worlds that have magic mm-hmm. because yeah i united knows about magic but unless you get to the point where yeah we've got a minor wizard and or minor cleric on the team enough to know about magic and cast stuff and maybe work magic items they would at least have a passing. You might have to take, you might get like in your, what is it, six months of training at, at Alice Springs. Oh, well, yeah, okay, here's our, our chapter on magic and how it works and the fringe paths and, you know, positive 13 prime. If you run into stuff that deals with magic, you at least know it's out there. So I would think, yeah, I don't think that they would prohibit information, either group. Especially because that's the, that's a need-to-know basis and they need to know. And there will be more for you all next week. But until then... This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast.
Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.